Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Chase. Time for another micro show, and today's micro show is one of my favorite ones. It is part two of the Q&A. If you remember, I put a call out for your questions uh, toward the end of last year, 2022, and I was overrun with a bunch of amazing questions. I answered one in a previous or a set of questions in a previous episode, and today we are answering a second set. Uh, we're going to take on four questions: one from Amanda, one from Tracy, Matt, and Nathan. Uh, that I think are going to add value across any number of creative and entrepreneurial disciplines. So my goal, I selected these because I think they are going to be valuable to everybody who's listening. And again, before we dive in, this, you know, my ability to interact with you all in the community is one of my favorite parts about what I do on a regular basis. So just know we're going to continue to have more of these. If you have thoughts or questions, might be a good time to jot them down because I am going to put another call out soon. So Again, today's micro show is a Q&A, a bunch of answers to questions that uh, I selected four of you that I think are very representative across a variety of disciplines. So without further ado, we're going to dive in. And the first one comes from Tracy. Hi, Chase. My name is Tracy. I'm a photographer in Tempe, Arizona. Something I never really hear discussed is um, what changes did you find you needed in your support system as your business evolved and grew and you started to find some success? Um, I know in the beginning it's usually about the know-how and putting the pieces in place. Um, but once you actually start finding that your business is taking off, what did you find you needed and where did you go to locate it? Great question, a great set of questions there from Tracy. The answer to Tracy's questions largely lie in an internal conversation that you have with yourself. And I like that conversation to be as honest as possible and as results oriented as possible. And here's what I mean. When you first start out, you your goal is to make some money, right? Make some money doing the thing that you love or in an area of, of you think there's opportunity. And largely uh, in those early iterations of the business, you do all of those things because the way I like to think about it, you're in a testing mode. And by testing, you mean, can I make money here? What are the easy parts? What are very natural? What, what parts of this business are very natural for me and what parts are difficult? Uh, an example might be, let's say you're doing a Q&A podcast and the answering of the questions is the easy part and the drumming up sponsorship. You did go out and you found someone to sponsor your show and you you got some sponsorship and, and that part, say, took you six weeks to do versus the recording of the show took you six hours. I like to start to think about what did I enjoy, what parts were easy and natural to me, what parts could I see handing to others or partnering with others or bringing in some support to help me with. Now, if you're listening to this right now, okay, that hopefully makes sense, but where the magic lies is in you being honest with what you're good at and what you want to do and how much you know time, energy, effort you are willing to hand over to somebody else. And endemic in that is we have to have some revenue because bringing in other people costs money, right? And not many folks I know are willing to work for free or the people that are of high quality. So you have, this is why you starting your business from the beginning is important. I love to understand every aspect of my business because 
It helps me hire people. I know A, where my weaknesses are, B, where the pinch points are, what was hard and and sticky, maybe the, you know, in the sponsorship example, like getting a list together of possible sponsors. That was the biggest hurdle. And once you had that list together, then it was easy. You could, you know, reach out to them or communicate with them in some other way, whatever. I'm not here to prescribe what the actual area of difficulty was, but you being honest with that. And can you see yourself doing this more in the future? Is this something, do you want to try and, and get better at a weakness or like I prefer is it, can you find a way to double down on your strengths? Now, another sort of caveat, I want to sort of put a pin in this over here. And I've said it a couple times already, things you can see yourself doing more of in the future versus things you can see yourself doing less of in the future. Now, we all have stories that we tell ourselves about what we're good at, what we're not good at, where our desires are and where our, our fears are. I like to do an audit of that. I want to say, are you know, go in, you know, take some time, long walk, notepad, whatever your your mechanism is for doing this this personal inquiry. What can you do? What how can you be honest with yourself about the stories that you have about yourself? Uh, maybe on the business side, like I'm so creative, I'm just not very good at the business part. Now that is a story, largely that we have. Um, adopted and now we may have crafted that into part of our identity. Is that true? Do you have any curiosities or interests in getting better at that stuff? And if so, if so that's totally okay. But here's the punchline. The punchline is, are you willing to do this to the point of it actually being difficult? A lot of people that I know, they hire someone right off the bat and that has two negatives. One negative is that you haven't actually done enough of the work such that you could reliably hire for that role. You don't know what the strengths that, that the person needs to have are or where you find hiccups in the system. So you haven't done it long enough. And then the other one is you probably haven't brought in enough money to hire the right person if you haven't you know, done enough of this yet to, you know, to create revenue to hire. Most people hire too soon. I love, and I have done this in, in virtually every one of my businesses, I get to such a pressure point where I am almost on the verge of, you know, my systems breaking prior to bringing somebody on board. That way I've maximized my learning, my understanding, the ability to know where the problems are, my understanding of what uh, I need to bring in who, what kind of a person where their skill set is. I have pushed that to the brink and I've probably made all the money I can doing it by myself such that now I have more money available in my bank account to bring somebody else on board. Now, this takes many different, um, you know, this this can present itself, this, pre this, this question that Tracy asked, in so many different ways it can present itself in technology like i i you know as a let's take this podcast example that i've got going here and just like i'm not very technical so i don't know if you know am i using the right equipment or what do you need to do bring somebody on i really think that you should try and do every piece of this thing yourself the first time ask questions use the internet take a couple of classes at least do a couple of basic versions of the business model that you see for yourself by yourself. 
that is critical. And that to me, this is, you know, why I'm framing this. There's so many different ways and manifestations that this, that Tracy's problem can show up. If you do all of this stuff, the first couple times around, then you will start to see through, again, through asking questions, bringing, you know, friends, forums on the internet, you know, YouTube videos, whatever, then you will get smarter at the right questions to ask the people that you are ultimately going to bring on board to help you. Yes, Tracy's question is a very real one. We hit roadblocks. We need to expand our business, knowing how, knowing where, knowing why, and knowing that we actually need to do that. Those are all things that you ought to figure out before diving in. And the only way you know how to do that is through play, through experimentation, taking notes, what worked, what didn't work, and being very, very, go back to my intro to this question, being really honest with yourself about what's working, what's not, what you want to be doing more of, and what you do not. Another thing before I let you go, Tracy, uh, and this has to do with who you learn from. Now, my um, I have spent you know decades cultivating my community in the areas that I have interest in, you know, whether that's photography, design, creativity, entrepreneurship, whatever. I have built up a um, a community of people who are experts in each of these areas. So whenever I get stuck. I love to lean into friends and mentors who are further along in this particular process than I am. It's a great way of connecting or reconnecting with people in your community, um, of you know showing up with humility and asking, you know, you really admire their work, and is there, you know, could they, could you do something um, in collaboration or to support this person in exchange for their wisdom? Now, I like to have these be personal friends, not necessarily just random people on the internet, because I'll be straight up. I don't love receiving inbound mails. I said, Hey, Chase, can you review my portfolio? Because we don't have a relationship, right? I, I, um, I, if I did that, I would be basically saying, um, trading my time for free. And I would have an infinity of people whose portfolios I could review across any number of disciplines for the rest of my life. There's enough of those requests that come in. So I can't do that. So when I talk about friends and mentors, I'm talking about people who are in your peer group that you know and are respect and admire and appreciate. Ideally, you can give them some sort of value as well, um, trade them for something. And if you have a, a more intimate relationship with them, you can just tell them what you're into and why you're trying to get going. And and in many cases, again, I have friends that I'm thinking of in this regard right now for business, for example, that I can just take out to lunch and say, hey, man, spend a lot of time, love what you've been doing. I've been watching you from afar. I'm kicking off a new chapter and this is what I'm interested in. So, you know, this, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it as they say, uh, you have to have been working on this community for some time in order to have these people to lean on. So if you do not have people in your world that could at some point help you in this sort of this problem that Tracy has posed here, gosh, I think you better do it. This is a great opportunity to be become self-aware and say, I need to you know, cultivate community more than I have been. Now, assuming that there's um, you know, some hybridization, you can need to continue building community and that you do still have some people in your world who are further along in the endeavor that you would like to double down on uh, here in the next chapter that you can lean on go lean on those people. They have done, they have solved problems that you are facing right now. All right. The next question I'd like to take is from Amanda. 
Hey, Chase. So I'm wondering what one might do when they're feeling a little lost or directionless in their business, kind of reaching a proverbial plateau where you're not really sure what to do next. I'm a solopreneur. I side hustled my business starting in 2017 up until 2020 and was able to build the business to $100,000 in revenue. I went full-time and then grew the business again to $200,000 in annual revenue. And I'm quite comfortable with the processes I have in place, with the customers that I have, with the income that's coming in, with my margins. So I've kind of reached a bit of a point where I'm feeling lost. I'm not sure what to do next, if I should do something more. Of course, I've got more goals that I want to achieve, but I'm just not sure if that's the way to go. And uh, kind of, you know, what do you do from here? Once you've reached all those big goals that you set out for yourself from the very beginning, what are the new goals? I'm not quite sure. So I'd love to get your thoughts. Thanks. Amanda, great set of questions. One of the reasons I wanted to include your question in, in today's episode is because this is very common. You are not alone. And there's a couple of different facets that I want to uh, dive into your, your question around. The first facet is, you know what? It is absolutely okay to be comfortable with what you're doing right now and to be resting for a little bit, to just be processing. And if your business processes are working and you're happy with the income and you are putting money in the bank, the, this is a fine time. I have learned that there are different seasons, right? There's, it can't always be summertime and 85 degrees and you're sprinting straight ahead at the you know, what you have, you know, this one precious life, there are winters and there are seasons where you are resting. And there are, these are, these, I don't know if this is maturity or I don't know what piece of this, um, you know, has evolved in me, but to me, this makes a ton of sense. There are actually times where you're just putting money in the bank, you're thinking or you're resting. All of those are okay. Where historically for me, that has not been okay. And I think that's unhealthy. So um, point one is if you're resting right now and everything's working, that's fine. What you should be doing in that time, I believe, is gathering energy, acknowledge that you're resting and put your senses up, put your ears up and out. Like, what am I gravitating towards? What would I like to do more of? And you're checking in with yourself like this, you know, I, I, I'm aware that uh, I would like to make the same amount of money, but spend less time doing it. So then you can start to focus on process parts, or I would like to make more money and spend the same amount of time, but increase my income. Okay, cool. What you might do then is look at your highest ROI customers and how do I attract more of those and less of the ones who aren't producing that same sort of return. There are a number of ways of going about this and doing so in a patient way is I think healthy and is is largely not prescribed and not talked about a lot in our culture. So there's a couple of things to think about. Um, also, what I heard in there was a little bit of um, of there is a hole in what I feel like you might want to be doing with your time, being satisfied and feeling okay and you know all the, the the attributes that you described of where you're at right now those are true i think in the times where we do not have a large enough 
vision for ourselves. We do not have a raison d'etre, a reason for being. Because when you have big, hairy, audacious goals, there's always work to do. So I'm guessing, perhaps, again, I'm going to make many assumptions here. So just to try and be relevant to a broad swath of the audience, that your first goal was like, I love this thing. I'm doing it for other people. Maybe I can go out and do it on my own. Okay, you did that. You made 100 grand. And then, cool, I can get better at this. I can do more of what I love and completely abandon this other career with a capital C that I had before. And now I'm self-employed and loving it. So you double down on that and then you made 200 grand. What's missing from that to me is what am I about? Why am I doing it? What's your why to use Simon Sinek's word? And if you have a why, like I want to help a billion entrepreneurs find and their passion and build a business around it. That's a big goal. And, you know, maybe you've been successful at the $100,000 and $200,000 annual revenue labels, but gosh, if you were going to truly help a billion people, then, you know, I'm guessing that you would have higher revenue than $200,000. So what is your big reason for being? Why are you in the line of work? It seems like you could do a lot of exploration around that. So that's another point. And then another facet that I find missing from most work, and it's something that I'm writing about right now for my next book, is play. It sounds like you got all your processes and things are working, but that you might, that what, what might be missing is an element of joy and experimentation and curiosity. This is why becoming aware of Um, becoming increasingly self-aware, like what do I love doing? What parts of the business that I'm doing now could I outsource such that I have more time to dream? This is, if you go back to my book, Creative Calling, this is the I stage of the IDEA, the idea framework for, for a creative process. Imagine, design, execute, amplify. We often get stuck or we lose rather our ability to imagine what's possible. And the key to imagination is play. What if you could dramatically increase the amount of play in your day-to-day? That is through um, goofing around with other people or going into your childhood and think about the things that you really do and you loved doing back then and doing more of that such that it, it unlocks a whole new stratosphere of things you haven't even been considering. I find that play is absolutely critical for this. And to be fair, we botch this all the time. We think that there's some, that being serious is better than being playful because serious is the mode where we get stuff done and playful is the mode where we don't. You know what? The most happy, successful, and fulfilled people that I know, they find play in all of the aspects. There's a time to be serious, but imagine if you could introduce play into even the most serious aspects of your job. The chances are that you would unlock things that are just, that are probably hiding in plain sight. This again goes back to self-awareness. You have to be A, aware that you are not playing enough and B, aware to look into your past or to your curiosity or maybe even your future of being honest with yourself. What, what does light you up or what could light you up? Now, the last thing I want to talk about is let's say you are not sure around a couple of those points I just made. I don't know what those things are. Then it's time to experiment. 
Say yes to so many more things than you have been saying yes to in the past. Uh, be open to um, learning new things. Be interested in in goofing off. Uh, say yes to things that um, you have perhaps said no to in the past because of a particular story you told yourself. Just, you know, someone says, do you like this movie? Do you want to go see this film? If you would normally say, no, I only like comedies or I only like dramedies or, and this is a documentary, say yes to that. In, in short, you have to experiment. You have to go back to turning over lots of rocks to, you know, putting your nose to the ground, to looking inside and just saying, yes, there are few and far um, better ways to stumble on something new than just saying yes to all kinds of stuff. Because as soon as you say yes, you know what you realize? You realize if, wow, that yes got me something that I did not expect, or that yes got me to think about something in a way that I have not before, something you know different, new, and novel. This is the sort of the cornerstone of discovery. You have to begin to say yes to things that you would otherwise censor in your brain. Maybe even saying yes to things that you have historically not liked or you've historically been closed off to. That is another great way of, um, of not just clearing out some of that cruft that's in there. All right, so I hope that has been helpful. Um, nothing like experimenting, playing, being honest with yourself and unlocking new chapters for yourself. Again, I, I, I often recommend uh, a very simple but powerful book from a friend of mine named Charlie Hone around playing called Play It Away. I'm currently doing a lot of work and, and uh, writing around the topic of play. Um, if you're not subscribed to my newsletter, I've been introducing it in a couple of different ways there that I think uh, hopefully are uh, good thought starters. Um, but that's my prescription for you. Play, set some new big goals, discover those goals through play, through being self-reflective and honest. And it's okay to change those things. That's the final thing, I guess, is when you are in the experimental phase, you say, cool, I want to write a, a, you know, a screenplay. And you're a third of the way into the screenplay and it's not feeling good. Change. You're a third of the way through a book that you don't like. Stop. You're a third of the way through a movie that you, you tried to open up to and it's just not helping. Turn that movie off and go turn another one on. Okay. Hopefully that's helpful. Uh, great set of questions there. Thank you very much. And let's move on to another call. Hey, what's going on, Chase Jarvis? Nathan Hall here. Man, personal work is so important for me to keep me motivated, uh, keep me motivated with my commercial work. I was just wondering, what subjects, what do you like to shoot when you're shooting personal work? Uh, to keep you motivated for your commercial work. Let me know, man. Thank you. Now, I like Nathan's question, especially in the wake of Tracy's, specifically because it has a lot to do with play and experimentation. It's no mystery when you hear people talk about these things, how blocked and how clogged up we are around what's possible, what's possible for this one precious life, what what are we allowed to do? What, we, what rather will we allow ourselves to do in this next chapter of our work, our life, our career, our home, our, our personal goals? Life is long and we have been fed a stream of lies that says, you know, you can only do one thing and you have to do that well. And then, you know, life is over and you're going to pay some taxes. And that, that's not true. Life is long. You get 
to play. You get to learn a little bit about yourself. And personal work, to go right into Nathan's question, is the mechanism through which you start to understand these these next chapters. I mentioned earlier in today's episode, and I've talked at length in previous ones, about seasons. You can't always be sprinting, right? You Even any professional athlete, they do not train year-round. There are seasons where you take time off and that time off is meant to be reflective and um, and you you analyze what you did in the last chapter and what you want to do different in the next chapter. And life is the same. And especially when we're doing personal work, one of the ways that my career dramatically changed is when I started to bring elements that were outside of photography, film, pop culture, painting. I started bringing those ideas that mentality into photography. If you go back uh, more than a dozen years now, when the Chase Jarvis live show started there, it was one of the first podcasts on the internet, the first um, couple thousand on the internet. No one was doing it in black and white. No one had long form guests or not no one, but very few people had long form guests. Very few of them were live. All of those attributes that I just shared live, black and white, those were experiments that I was running. That was personal work that now transitioned to me into, you know, giving keynotes all over the place, um, collaborating with a whole host of different celebrities and, and legends in different areas outside of photography. You know, I went on to um, help Polaroid make camp new cameras with Lady Gaga and help Apple understand how to think about cinema displays for photographers or help. I mean, all of this came about through, you know, directing music videos, for example, that was not core to commercial photography. And yet when I experimented in that area and did personal work there, I found a new love or I discovered that I don't want to do too much more of that because this was a heavy lift or this was not what I thought it was going to be from the outset. Now, personal work, I'm, I'm going to add another note on personal work that often gets overlooked, which people usually look for other people to pay them or they wait to do this personal work until someone is willing to write them a check to do that. Now, that is fine. And I have had people do that in the past. Chase, you're a reliable creator. What interests you? Let's go run off in this direction. I'm going to give you a chunk of money and we're going to go experiment and play together. Whether this is a brand or a person, let me tell you how rare that is. So as a, um, as a counterpoint to that, you ought to be willing to take some of your own money and experiment in an area of work that you want to be doing, that you're curious about in the future, such that you can actually discover if you have interest, potential, if if that is an area that you really, really care about. I'll give you a personal example. When I was shooting commercial work all over the world, uh, I was large, spending most of my time at our home in Paris and not that much in Seattle. Um, mostly, you know, commercial work in, in Paris, London, New York, that was where, you know, Europe um, I became increasingly aware that I was more familiar with a lot of these big cities than I was my home city of Seattle. I started longing. It was almost a, a heartache for, um, what was happening in my own town. And I realized that, that, man, I was chasing all these other things, but it was not really 
all that dialed into my own roots, into my own area code. And that through a series of, you know, daydreams and a bunch of note taking turned into a project called Seattle 100, where I photographed a hundred of the people who were driving culture in Seattle. I reached out to them, said, you know, here's who I am, my credentials. I'm interested in, I'm doing this project. I, I love what you're doing. I'd love to host you in my studio. Take your photograph for, you know, a possible book project at some point. And it changed my life. It, uh, there's all kinds of, you know, well-documented things on the internet. I don't want to spend too much time talking about, but it actually changed some fiscal policy policy in the government, the way that Seattle, the city was functioning. Um, it, how the city positioned itself from its from uh, a marketing perspective. I found so many people that I'm still incredibly close with today. It led to collaborations across um, music. I got a documentary film out of the deal. I, I mean, to say it unlocked a whole new chapter for me would be a massive understatement. And yet, I funded it. I I I hosted all of the, you know, the shoots in my studio. And I was doing that instead of doing other work. So there was an opportunity cost. There were actual hard costs, right? I was, you know, paying people to edit the photos and, and it was, it came out of pocket. But what you need to know is that that was something I planned for. So putting yourself into a position where you have a little extra time, money, energy, to invest in experimenting, to invest in personal work is required. You have to get out of survival mode to be able to experiment. And so if you're finding yourself just living, you know, paycheck to paycheck or um, not having time, energy or resources to otherwise experiment, that ought to be step one. Okay, my hope is that that has helped, and I also want to tackle one last question. This is from Matt. Hey, Chase. It's Matt over in Summersworth, New Hampshire. I was wondering, when it comes to transitioning away from a creative endeavor and or project, or for that matter, a job, how do you know it's time to make that move, much like it was when you transitioned away from creative life? Thanks. One of the reasons I took Matt's question today is because I think I'm kind of crappy at this. This is uh, an area of my, I will call it career. I think, I think, I think it's best talked about under the, under the sort of umbrella of work, but I truly love a lot of projects and I want to carry as many of them, as much of them forward as possible. But I feel like this is an area that I have um, learned a lot over the past, let's say five years. Uh, there's a very well-documented story of me uh, doing the iPhone app of the year in 2009. Um, it was called Best Camera. If you're not familiar with that story, then you should look it up on the internet. Uh, short story long there, it would be that I had the the most, uh, one of the number one apps in the app store for in that year, and it was a photo app. And I wanted you know, five or six years later, after a bunch of lawsuits, I was sort of still dragging around and I hadn't decided to double down and launch a new company or sell it to someone and use our combined resources to make a new version of it. I basically just sort of drug it around with me, didn't um, publicly state my position on it. And it just sort of like withered on the vine. And I, and I, I look back at that as a huge mistake, as a huge opportunity, a learn opportunity. And today I try, as I recently did with Creative Live, when 
the company was acquired. I was very cognizant that I was going to spend some time in within the operations of the the large public company Fiverr that had purchased Creative Live and make Creative Live successful within Fiverr. I committed to do that. That was a part of my transition plan. And yet, when I was within the workings of a large publicly traded company, I it didn't take me too long to realize that okay, um, I this is this is not my future. Uh, the company Creative Live is going to go on and have its own future uh, as they are designed to do when they are acquired by another company, and that is okay. And so I made a very crisp announcement on a particular day when I had uh, worked out my transition plan with um, the Fiverr team that I was going to move on. And it was so different than the, uh, the, what I had done with best camera some, you know, 10, 10 plus years earlier. So I like to think that I have learned, but I think uh, a little gold within the context of your question, Matt, is how do you know? There's a great recipe to answer this question. It comes from a dear friend of mine named, named Chris Gillibo. Uh, I think it was from his book called Born for This, but uh, I could be wrong. But Chris is a master at this. And essentially, you ask yourself two questions. Do I love this? And is it working? And through the various combinations of of that sort of two by two, if you put working, love it, working, love it, that that you, you can understand if it's worth continuing. If I love it and it's working... Great. Keep doing it. Double down. If it's working and I don't love it, it's pretty obvious. It sort of goes back to the, if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no. If it's not working and I don't love it, duh, obviously you stop, right? The last one, it's you love it, but it's not working. If you love something, continue putting effort into it. And for me, in the Creative Live example, for uh, I was not working well inside a large corporation. Um, I had a story about that for myself, and that story played out pretty true despite me giving it multiple chances. And so I would say it was not working. Did I love it? Not really. So it was not working, and I didn't love it. Therefore, it was you know it's time to move on. Um, I did write a significant blog post about that that I would love for you to read if you're curious about a little more of my, my thoughts there. Um, but imagine you apply that, you know, that, that do I love it? Is it working rubric to any number of things? I find that that is so simple and so insightful that it's at least worth running that, you know, running that program on whatever it is that you are thinking about, Matt. And to anybody else out there, um, there is no crime in experimenting. There is, this is the rationale behind the idea of side hustle and play and all of the things that have been, you know, really dominant themes in today's micro show. There is nothing keeping you from experimenting. There's nothing keeping you from, um, goofing off through, you know, through any number of vectors around areas of interest or curiosity I find that people use the excuse of time and um, and available resources. I think if you leverage your resourcefulness, that you can find a way to to be honest with yourself, find a way to play, find a way to you know have this conversation. Do you love it? Is it working? And if you you know whatever answer comes out of that system, you can then take the next step. I want to you know as a as a 
maybe a, a, a point of departure here. I want to continue to drive people towards the creative framework that I wrote about in Creative Calling. That is the four-part creative process, I-D-E-A. This works on any individual small creative problem that you're having, and it works for planning your life, which is largely what these questions in today's episode have been around, right? I-D-E-A. Imagine whether you're imagining the solution to the um, the architecture plans that you need to uh, to wrap up, or you're imagining what you want in the next chapter of your life. You actually have to allow yourself the freedom uh, and the the joy to imagine what's possible. Design. Once you've imagined it, design. Set out a multi-step process for how you can get moving in the direction of that imagination, that, that point that you dreamed up. E, execute. You have to actually do the work. You can have the best plan in the world, but unless you go to work on that plan, nothing's going to happen. And then A, amplify. You have to tell other people about your your dream. That is the way that you get momentum, momentum, inertia. People will come to help you. And you'll also start building a community around both this particular project and your work. And by community, I mean a set of you know your peers and friends who know that you're working on this stuff or a community of thousands or even you know, hundreds of thousands or millions that want to help you succeed. So um, that is uh, a bit of concise thinking around uh, a framework that I believe is very, very, very useful. Woo-wee. Well, again, among the hundreds of questions that came in, uh, that was part two of a two-part series. I'm probably going to open it up to a, a whole new swath of questions. My hope is that's been helpful and interesting. If you have feedback, I'm always open to hearing it. Please just hit me on social. You know how to do that. Um, I'm going to do more. I'm going to open up another set of um, an opportunity to submit your questions here in the not too distant future. We'll take another, we'll do another couple episodes on the podcast here because I've so far received pretty good feedback on the last one. And uh, so save up your questions and keep your ears and eyes tuned for when I will be inviting you to share those so that we can have another episode. Um, signing off on today's micro show. Until next time, I bid you adieu. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing the show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together.